Hey everyone, welcome to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. I'm your host, Meg Ricci, and this podcast series is about demystifying women's hormonal issues and struggles and the many things that dance in between for all us gals. So if you haven't already, subscribe, please do, on iTunes and Spotify. And if you'd like, you can catch me on YouTube. I started downloading episodes of The Hormone Lifestyle recently. And just go to YouTube, MegRichichi.com, The Hormone Lifestyle Zone. Um, also, if you would like to work with me, if you'd like to demystify your hormonal issues and struggles, you can reach me through MegRichichi.com. We can set up a discovery call and see if we are a good fit for one another. So I am super glad all of you can join me today. I try to do my very best in helping you in providing some really good information that you can utilize in your own life and you can share with other women in your lives. Today, I have a great guest, my dear friend, Cheryl Passwater. I love Cheryl. Cheryl and I go back a ways. She was a client of mine. She came to me. I just asked Cheryl about 14 years ago. It feels so much longer because we've been friends and she started seeing me in New York City in my Manhattan office. We did acupuncture together and we did some herbs. And over the years, Cheryl and I have become very, very dear friends. I'm so happy that she and her wife moved here to Atlanta last year. So it's great to have another Brooklyner, another Brooklyn peep in my hood in Atlanta and I get to hang out with Cheryl, and we get to have dinner together, and we get to play pickleball if it isn't too hot outside. And I wanted to have Cheryl on the show because she is an incredible functional medicine health practitioner. And I think both of us are cut from a similar cloth. She's pretty well known in the world of fermentation. I had her on an earlier episode of the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. I'll include that podcast in the show notes. So I love that every time I get together with her and I go over to her house to eat, she's such a good cook. She'll be like, here, try this fermented sauerkraut. Try these fermented cucumbers. And it's always so yummy. And I just love hanging out with her. So I asked Cheryl to be on the show because I wanted her to share her health journey. And it was a very, very bumpy one for Cheryl. And I so appreciate other practitioners who have had challenges dealing with their health struggles and their mysterious symptoms, and sadly, never really addressing or being addressed through conventional treatment and going through this health journey and attempting to navigate conventional health care and navigating insurance and how these people, including Cheryl today, and she will share her story, how they finally got the proper health care they needed after seeing so many health practitioners, that she found the right people to help set her on that path to her healing, which inspired her to go further and become a fermentationist, a health coach, a functional medicine practitioner, because the reality is Treating, working with women and working with everyone, it's all about getting to the root cause of why we're sick, how to really heal, not to fix, not to chase symptoms. All healing takes place from the inside out. And also part of this healing process for so many women, including Cheryl, was dealing with the repercussions of meds and steroids and antibiotics. And I believe it's important to get people out of crisis, but no one is deficient long-term in steroids and antibiotics and PPIs amongst other drugs. So, I mean, I'm going to bring Joey the mechanic in. How would you feel every time you go to your mechanic and you say, hey, Joey, my car's clunking? And Joey's like, well, Meg, you know what? You need a new transmission. But Joey, you didn't pop the hood. Nah, you need a new transmission. So you spend a kajillion dollars, get a new transmission, go home, and a few days later, your car is clunking, and you go back to Joey. Hmm, Meg, you, knew, you need new brake pads. Doesn't work that way. Joey would be out of business. Our healthcare system has to think like auto mechanics, get to the root cause of why someone is having a problem, because no one is deficient in these drugs. 
And I think we need to apply Joey's way of looking at a car to health, chronic health conditions. So Cheryl has an amazing health story. Um, and that led her to become this really wonderful health practitioner. And I asked her to come on the show today because I wanted to have a wonderful conversation with her. She has a fantastic podcast called Peeling the Onion, and I would definitely check it out on Spotify. I'll also include her information in the show notes. And let's see, what else can I tell you about Cheryl? Cheryl specializes in gut health, surprise, surprise, and the microbiome and environmental toxicity. And as I said, she is a fermentationist, so she has been teaching workshops. She speaks on fermentation. She has online classes. And I am delighted to have her here today. And we are going to take a deep dive into her world. I want her to share her story, how she got into fermentation, how she got into health coaching and functional medicine, and how she works with her clients. So on that note, my sweet pickle, Cheryl, welcome to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. Thank you for having me. I love it. Pickles and Joey the Mechanic and what a good know, analogy. You know, yeah. And, you know, having good times together. And my God, we haven't been able to play pickleball because it's been like Burma out there. Ooh, Hotlanta, yes, has been a uh, hot. Yeah, Hotlanta. <laughs> oh, it's been crazy. So Cheryl, yeah, all started. Well, it's you came to see me <laughs> 2010 and, you know, share did that start changing? You know, I had put you on herbs, you had chronic asthma and a bunch of things. And we really started noticing uh, a change in your health. And when you started changing, uh, going on herbs, and I think at that time you had been vegetarian for quite a while. Yeah, I had been a vegetarian for about 15 years. Um, a pretty crappy vegetarian probably at that. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I was just always sick, chronic asthma, sinus infections, ear infections, mm. you know, bronchitis. I just was always sick. And, you know, I, I think you nailed it on the head in your introduction, which is, you know, there are um, significant gaps in the conventional medical system. And I was sort of trapped in this loop of, you know, I'd go to the doctor and they'd be like, oh, you're allergic to your cat. And they would send me home and, oh, here's another round of antibiotics and here's another round of antibiotics and here's another round of antibiotics and steroids and inhalers. And, and it, but it, you know, there was a point where I just realized, you know, this is the only system I've been taught or like that I knew really knew of, and there's gotta be other ways to do things. Mm -hmm. I really started questioning everything and the conventional system and just being kind of pushed through things. And I just had the desire to do something new. One of my favorite quotes is desire is the beginning of all creation. And, mm. you know, and kind of having this like, okay, but you know, we choose our destiny. We choose, can choose to do things differently. And so, yeah, that really started my voyage into holistic health and my own healing and eventually landing me as a practitioner. So talk about the journey. Talk about, I know we use that term so frequently, but it really is a journey. It is. Um, a journey, a roller coaster. Uh, I think fast forward, I mean, you because know, we've done an interview together before, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, after I left working with you, mm -hmm. and I, you know, I had made some really significant progress. I just went down this deep rabbit hole of, wait a minute, now that I know what I know, or the nuggets that I do know, it just really urged me to learn more. And I started, you know, and I was so dirt poor at the time. I mean, uh, dirt poor living in Brooklyn, riding my bike everywhere. Um, but I also loved it. And I don't know, I just started going to the library and checking out books and going to, you know, Barnes and Noble and buying all kinds of things that were of interest to me. And I remember maybe, I don't know, three to six months, probably um, after I stopped working with you at the time, um, just because I had made really good progress and different things. I um, started reading a lot of books on Candida and, you know, various overgrowths and things. And I just decided, you know, this 
if I do this, like a candida sort of diet cleanse, I was like, this is not going to hurt me. It's a whole foods diet. It's really just me editing out any additional sugar and alcohol and Mm -hmm. cleaning up some various things and avoiding some fruits and certain various aspects of things. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to commit myself. And I was like, I'm going to do this for like a year and I'm just going to see what happens. And, you know, you and I had worked a lot on my lungs and had gotten like my asthma somewhat under, you know, pretty under control, you know, and I was still having some residual lung stuff. And I did that candida cleanse for a year and stuck to my guns. And at the end of the year, I had healed my asthma. I never had another asthma attack. I never, you know, ended up with any more bronchitis and ear infections, like all this stuff, just kind of like the rest of it just sort of dissipated. And I really, I thrived for a good chunk of time after having done that. However, um, root cause medicine, as you and I know, sometimes things hide and linger and various things. And, you know, fast forward, I started having, you know, three, four years down the line, a resurgence of stuff and it would get better. And then (laughs) I would have another resurgence of stuff and it would get better. But, you know, kind of fast forward. About, I don't know, I guess it had been about 13, 12, 13 years later ago, you know, I started getting interested in fermentation and I had this like hot steamy summer where I was reading all these books and um, kind of started getting interested in fermentation, but it was for, before the big fermentation boom yeah. that's kind of happened in the last few years. And, you know, I remember I was subletting an apartment and the girl who I was subbing from left her kombucha scoby behind and she was like, you know, you want to make some kombucha make kombucha and I was like okay I know nothing about this and I remember I was sitting there one night I mean and it was like stinky Brooklyn summer you know 100 degrees you know where you're just like and I was you know reading like the China study or Sally Fallon and I was reading something like you know something like that and staring at this kombucha scoby and it kind of hit me that every culture in the world eats fermented food but us but we're the sickest and I think that was really the first full peak of me being like oh, wait a minute, gut health is everything. <laughs> like, psh. And, you know, and you and I had talked about it a lot. And then, you know, previously, like I remember coming to, you know, you Meg for the first time and you being like, and how's your gut? And I was like, my gut's fine. You know, and how often do you hear that? And I hear that people come into like, oh, oh, my gut's fine. And you're like, your gut's no, not fine. <laughs> it's so funny. You know, Cheryl, I just started a program, a jumpstart program for women with Amber Goppert here in Atlanta. And it's just teaching women over the next four to five weeks, how do you eat? What's an anti-inflammatory food program? How do you flip your mindset? And a lot of these women, you know, I said to them, if your gut is, if you have a healthy gut and we're getting you to eat well, your hormones are going to be in balance. And when your hormones are in balance, then, and, and your microbiome, because you have to treat the microbiome. If you don't address the gut, nothing's going to change. Yeah. So, and every time, you know, women say, oh, my hormones are out of balance. I always get these calls. And I'm like, "Mm, 99% of women have gut issues and they think it's normal to have constipation. They think it's normal to have gas and bloat. Or I love this. Oh, I can't eat meat. Or anytime I take supplements, I feel nauseous. That's a big flag. You're not digesting your food. So, yeah. 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 No, absolutely. You know, I think, you know, the gut conversation, that was the first time where it was kind of like, for me, this like big aha of like, oh, wait a minute, things can be gut and it may not be, I have blowout diarrhea. (laughs) Things can be gut and it may not be X, Y, and Z. That was really interesting to me. And also just this whole world of the microbiome, (laughs) you know, it was just like, wait a minute, we're made of bacteria. Our guts are made of bacteria. Wait a minute, what? Things can get wiped out. Things can overgrow. Like, I just, I mean, I was obsessed. I'm still obsessed. But, you know, just really. Yeah, but you know what it is? Is it obsession or a passion or a calling? I, I love, I mean, I'm a geek at this. So you have to be. You have to be. Yeah. If I can just share, Cheryl, I want to edit out a lot. I, I was supposed to do this podcast with Cheryl a couple of weeks ago and uh, had a lot going on in my life. 
And then very sadly, my brother was crossing the street in Denver and was hit by a car and he was killed. And it, we're all very thankful. It's very instantaneous. He just walked. He didn't see her. She didn't see him. It was dark and boom. And, you know, I was actually visiting my sister in North Carolina, Mary, when we got the call. And I was very thankful for that. But I had other things going on. And then the news of my brother just rocked my world. And when I got home, within a matter of days, I developed, I, I feel it was COVID. I had all, because I had COVID twice in the past. But Cheryl, guess what I did? I took antiparasitic herbs with binders. And guess what? That helped me get through it. And it helped to clear the brain fog. So anytime we were dealing with anything viral, and I, I took a bunch of other things, but those antiparasitic herbs, making sure I was taking care of my gut. And, and it just, it, you know, when I took, I took a bunch of other things, but that really at this really got me through it fairly quickly because it also hit my lungs. And I know when anything yeah. hits the lungs, you've got to look at the gut. Yeah. They both go hand in hand. They're the metal yeah. elements. Yeah. So I just, so, um, really I want to dedicate today's podcast to my sweet brother, David and my family. And I'm so thankful that I get to share this podcast with uh, you, Cheryl, today. Uh, well, thank you for letting me be part of it. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, you're nailing it right on the head, which is everything is attached. <laughs> no organ acts alone, right. you know, no, no symptom acts alone. You know, everything plays upon each other, if you will. And yeah. exactly what you're talking about, those, you know, your immune system resides in the gut primarily. And that that gut fortitude, I mean, you nailed it on the head, you know, and it's like addressing the gut when you had your viral outcome. And the brain with COVID, your brain just, I mean, I, I was like, yeah. oh my God, I feel like I have, you know, a dementia right now. Yeah. And I knew immediately, and I want you to get back, but I knew that I had to address the gut, open up drainage and do different things. And I, I got mm -hmm. through it and uh, allowed myself to sleep a lot. But mm -hmm. yeah, the gut is the epicenter. Yeah. I just realized I was out of town and you could have just come over and used my infrared sauna while we were gone. You have a key to my house. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I have that. I'll be honest with you. I felt like death. I, I just, oh, I, was, baby. I, I one day I slept 18 hours and every time I woke up, I was like, I'm really exhausted. I, yeah. I feel awful. Yep. So but you're also uh, honoring what your body needed, you I know? Did. And I think that's yeah. one of the things that we have gotten away from. And that was also something that I learned on my own journey. The sort of um, hard way was I was used to kind of bruisering my bruisering, however you want to say it, my way through life a little bit, you know, I kind of, you know, grew up as like a recovering female athlete. I was always kind of banged up. I'm still always like a little banged up. You know, I go to the chiropractor and she's like, I'm, you know, I just kind of learned about you. Like you're a bruiser, you know? <laughs> like, and you know, it's, my, it's like you fell down a flight of stairs. So glad to yeah, see you today in my office. A little yeah. tough, rough and tumble, a little clumsy, yeah. a little, you know, but I'm just doing my thing. But, you know, I will say one of the big fundamental things on my own journey was really learning and adapting and really implementing my self-care and what that looked like. And that is not just what we eat. It's mind, body, spirit. No, it's absolutely, everything. Cheryl. And, you know, really addressing some trauma stuff, really addressing like, it is okay for me to set boundaries. It is okay for me to prioritize that I need 10 hours of sleep tonight. It's okay yeah. for me to prioritize. I need to go get a massage. Or I'm going to go do something with friends because I'm super hella social and I'm an extrovert and that feeds my spirit. Whatever yeah. it is, it doesn't matter. And, you know, the more I prioritize my self-care, I guess kind of fast forwarding a little bit, the more fermentation really started to blow up for me. It was kind of really an interesting thing, you know, looking back on it now where I'm like, wow, the more I took care of myself, the more all these other things sort of started to explode. And, you know, with fermentation, 
yes, call it obsession, call it passion, call it all the things. It was all those things for sure. But I, I was making too much. I started giving to friends. I started selling to friends. The next thing I knew, I had this like rogue fermentation CSA. The next thing I knew, I was teaching workshops. The next thing I knew, I was teaching 100 workshops a year. The next thing I knew, I was teaching 200 workshops a year. Wow. You know, going into the pandemic, I was teaching about 250 fermentation workshops and festivals a year in person, which is a lot. And I, I had loved- no idea you were doing. How did you have time to do anything? Were I you would traveling travel up. I was would traveling you- a lot. You know, you would double up something. Things would come up. I had private students. I mean, it was, but it was awesome. It was freaking awesome. Were you um, also teaching kids at that time too? I was still teaching you're... art part-time at that point. I was writing for some things on the side, mm-hmm. edible magazines, some other places, contributing to books, running. I mean, I was running the New York City Fermentation Festival, all kinds of things. Yeah. And loving every second of it. Like, and I'm sort of somebody who but people who know me well will know kind of know this about me. Like I am somebody like I don't lead a boring life. <laughs> I will always have my hands in like five pots. Like if you were like, sure, I'll just do one thing for the rest of your natural life and that's it. I'd be like, are you crazy? Because it's not how I work. It's just like, I like to have kind of diversity, diversity, kind of um, like the microbiome. Yeah. And, you know, fermentation <laughs> activates functional medicine. Functional medicine activates it back. Art's kind of yeah, activating yeah. other things, you know? And so for me, it was more about how do I work smarter, not harder? Mm-hmm. How do I allow things to flow? And really going into life with like a flow mindset, how am I the most mindful of my self-care also in, yeah. the, you know, in the process? And, um, and I did a lot of that. And then, you know, again, fermentation sort of kept escalating at the same time Mm -hmm. I was doing those things. And then the pandemic hit. Now, before the pandemic, about three months, four months before, um, we were in a building fire in Brooklyn. Oh, God. Yeah, share this. And I, and this is part of my own health journey, I had been having some, like, resurgence of stuff again. Because, again, root cause medicine. Things come, things, you know, we had, like, not everything had still been fully addressed. So while I had made epic leaps and bounds in my healing mm-hmm. journey, I was still having some issues. And, you know, and I just we felt, felt like, oh, I'm hanging at the edge of the cliff. I'm at the top of the hill, but I can never seem to get over the hump. Why? This was always my question. Why? So we were in this building fire and none of the alarms in our building went off. All right. So talk about a trauma, trauma in its own right. And I actually got smoke inhalation getting my neighbor out of the building. And, you know, sort of fast forward a little bit, the pandemic started, which, you know, I think we're all a little traumatized from that still. And I just started noticing my symptoms were getting worse. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And obviously, anytime you breathe in smoke, it is toxic and full of heavy metals and various things. But also living in an old building in Brooklyn, it really started me down this rabbit hole and sort of realizing um, that I had been dealing with mold toxicity. And that fire just really kicked it back up into mold with a vengeance, really. I also didn't, you know, and I didn't know a lot of mold about mold at the time. I didn't know a lot about mycotoxins. And in fact, a few years before I had found out that I had nodules on my lungs of aspergillus. And at the time the doctors were like, oh, well, they're healed up. They're just scars. No big deal. Nobody told me to do anything else. Wow. (laughs) Nobody raised the red flag. Nobody tested me for mold. Nobody did anything. I didn't know any better. You needed Joey, the mechanic. I needed Joey, the mechanic. (laughs) Like the real Joey to like get in there and figure out what the hell was going on. Yeah. Right. And so that was a real conundrum. Now, I didn't know about the mold. It took about two years before I found out. (laughs) I got my first mold toxicity panel to find out, oh shit, I am full of mold. I am moldy, moldy. I'm moldy, you know, inside. And, um, you know, also about six months before I found out I had mold, I had had COVID and, oh man, I was sick. I was out for like three weeks and I was prepared. I had like a whole arsenal of things. I was like, okay, if you know, when we get COVID, we're all probably going to get it. Let me make sure we have an arsenal of things. So, you know, I was 
nebulizing colloidal silver and iodine and all kinds of stuff and you know doing antiparasitics as well and really just being mindful of like my body but you know what one thing we know about covid is that it also wipes out the gut microbiome along with mold (laughs) and so for me then you know kind of looking at it now i'm like wow my poor outcome with covid was because I was a mold victim well, <laughs> at the time. Cheryl, that was that's how I got yeah. into at that time in God, when was it? Two years ago when I got COVID. And it was the comorbidity was mold. And guess what I did this time around? Aside from taking heavy metal binders and different things, I took carboxy, which yeah. is specifically for mold. And once I incorporated that, my brain just started clearing. It takes Mold is, it's a funny creature because it takes a while to eliminate and you're still addressing it over the years. You want to get out of that and maybe you can comment on that. But yeah, I mean, I, it used to be I would walk in a room and I could, you can sense, I would could sense mold. I would get really dizzy. Now I walk in a room like I can just tell there's mold here, but not to the degree that I would respond before. So anyway, please continue because this is important yeah. for people to know that are dealing with COVID or chronic stuff, you look at the microbiome, you have to look at mold. Mold is huge. And if I can interject, you know, I do heavy metal and environmental testing. What's been coming up a lot for women in Atlanta is arsenic. And Mm. where is the arsenic coming from? The water. Water. And I have a client, someone that I'm working with, and we're, you know, she's starting, uh, actually it's Amber, the woman in my program. She even talked about this on, she was having skin issues and she's been having stuff going on. It's a multi-layering and I, I have her starting some antimicrobial yeast bacterial stuff, uh, this coming week. I said, you have to drink distilled water. And, um, and I had her, I said, you've got to eat at home distilled water. Guess what started happening? the inflammation in her skin started going down just in a matter of days yeah. because her arsenic goes through the roof. So anyway, I'm a um, big proponent of distilled water and that's a big kahuna. Yeah. Please continue your journey. <laughs> well, can we talk about water for a second? Absolutely. I think this is really important. Because, and this is, you know, for all, everybody out there who's listening to this, like even when they tell you the water is clean, the water is not clean. No, (laughs) like, let's just put this to bed. Like, you know, we are treating the public water systems with fluoride and all kinds of chemicals. We find pharmaceuticals, antibiotics, birth control, all kinds of things in the water systems. And even 36 out of 50 states still use hexavalent chromium in their water. Now, hexavalent chromium, if anybody has seen the movie Aaron Brockovich or read the book. Yeah, and that's what Charleston had, by the way. Yeah, you'll find out that hexavalent chromium is still showing up again in 36 out of the 50 states water systems, you know, not to mention parasitic activity, heavy metals, all these other things. So is your water clean? Truly? No, no, not really. Part of the issue, they haven't upgraded filtration in these plants. So we're still filtering water and quote unquote purifying it. By standards that are probably 20, 30 years old, we're not keeping up with the exposure that is even in our soil. And if you if you have nuclear power plants in your state, you know, there's a lot of things. This is real. This is and I say to people, get your water tested. So, you know, I used to use the Berkey system. I've done a variety of things. But at this point, I drink distilled. And once I own a house or have more space, I will buy a distiller. I don't have room for that. So I get the, I get gallons of distilled water. Yeah. And my, and my cat gets it too. Yeah. I do encourage people like whether, you know, yes, distilling is a great way to go a hundred percent. I recognize that not everybody is always in the same place financially other, but you know, get a Berkey, get a revert, you know, a water system in your home. about Berkey's. I'm hearing Uh, a lot of mixed things about Berkey. I'm sorry. I'm hearing mixed things too, unfortunately. And and I was, I'm, I'm sorry. I disagree. I think, you know what? A gallon of water costs a dollar 29. Do you know how many drinks people buy a day? Yeah. That costs like three bucks. And I just say, it's a mindful way at the very least check out spring water, but I'm, I'm not a fan of Berkey anymore. 
Sorry. Yeah. No, that's fair. I mean, you know, there's yeah. a lot of mixed stuff I would going love on to right be. now with Berkey. Yeah. What is yeah. that? I so said there's a lot of mixed stuff going on right now yeah. with Berkey. I yeah. mean, but again, do I think it's better than getting like a Breda filter? Totally. Oh, God, yeah. Or, or <laughs> you know, water that yeah. comes from your refrigerator, so much mold. Oh, so much mold. Oh, and, you know, it's like, when, you know, changing the filters on those things, um, the refrigerators as well, a lot of things, you know, and even like our laundry systems and stuff like that. But we could go down this rabbit can- hole. But I think what's interesting when it comes to even things like water is water can have a lot of parasitic activity and mold and parasites are buddies. Mold and yeah. trauma our buddies. Yeah. You know, there's all these things, mold and heavy metals, mold and lime, you know, all these things sort of run and kind of Venn diagram in yes, circles. Um, so usually if there's one, there's probably another. <laughs> and also Cheryl, to support that statement. I mean, quite honestly, anytime I chest, I do stool testing, but I always check the heavy metals, environmental yep. metals and mold. And there's always a dance going on. Yeah, and you have always. to address, you've got to Looking at that parasitic activity, I mean, we're, I'm preaching to the choir here, but a lot of people don't know this. It's very important to make sure you're addressing parasites because they harbor the mold and the heavy metals and the toxins. So clearing the gut is crucial. And sadly, if I can just share, conventional testing doesn't do anything. I I mean, they're not checking for this. I had spoke to a very dear friend of mine and her mom is in Wausau and will be coming visiting the United States. She's had terrible colitis. You know, part of colitis is not just the gut. It's how you manage stress. It's trauma and stuff. But what are they doing? They're pumping her with steroids. Mm. She's like, okay, but no addressing of the gut not mm-hmm. looking at short chain fatty acids, not looking at the mucosal lining, just steroid, steroid, steroid. And yep. it's making, obviously, her situation worse. So anyway, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be working with her this week. That's awesome. Yeah. But, yeah. But go, please. No, no, you're fine. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's such a bigger conversation. You know, we also know That's that um, 80% of women have sluggish toxic bile bile being made in the liver gallbladder and needed for making good stomach acid. Right. And that's all that gut. That's all part of the gut chain. It's not just your intestines and your colon, everybody. And so we start thinking about these sort of bigger pictures. We start to see that these things all run in circles, you know, and unfortunately people get misdiagnosed. Unfortunately, people get things missed. Unfortunately, there are a lot of things that I'm sorry, your conventional doctor, they're just not trained to it's find just them. Not their and training. it's not their yeah. fault in the sense of like, they've been trained by one system. That is the system of the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds and the Carnegies and the AMA. And that is what they know. They're only taught to treat and Band-Aid and use pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals, yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's like, you know, I have a client who recently, she was like, I'm so upset. Like, why aren't they doing anything? Why this? And I was like, baby, they're trying. Like, look, most people got into the helping healing profession because they want to help people. They're well-intentioned, but they've been trained one way. And that is the only way. And they're not allowed to also pivot out of that book. Yeah. They're and, and, unless you know, and they leave. Yeah. Unless they make Yeah. Them. Unless they exit the system, right? Exit the matrix, whatever you want to call it. I think it's unfortunate because what happens is there are people like me who have been pushed around the system. And, you know, waves and even working with holistic practitioners who they don't, they weren't trained in mold. You know, they didn't know better. Again, is that their fault? Absolutely not. I mean, mold for me, I didn't know, you know, living in Charleston, low country is just a Petri dish for mold. And that's where I got a lot of it. And I had a friend of mine, uh, she was on the show, Caroline Smythe, functional Mm -hmm. medicine psychiatrist, really awesome. She's like, you have no idea, Meg how many issues that so many issues that people are having mental health issues and variety of things. It's the mold here. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like everything was mold. She was right. Cause that's where I got my mold. So my world of mold and learning about mold has only been probably, I mean, deep dive, maybe the past three years, like a deeper or four years. So it just opened everything up. Yeah. Well, let's take a one layer pat back. Let's go even further with this. 
yes, we can be exposed to mold. That doesn't mean that everybody ends up with mold toxicity. No, right? not at all. Like that, it's also about our, our ability to detox. So this was actually yes. pivotal in my own journey. It wasn't as much pivotal. Like, yes, it was pivotal in the sense of like, oh, wow, this is mold. I'm not nuts. My joints hurt. I feel like yeah. somebody shoved wool socks in my brain. I yeah. feel like shit. I'm exhausted. I feel like my mitochondria ha- are dead. Yeah. <laughs> like just like little yeah. crunchy Cheetos, like, you know, yeah. laying like little roly polies on the ground. Like, what is going on? You know, and the hormonal stuff. And I was just like, what is happening to me? But I think for me, the big aha, and this was part of my root cause stuff, right? Was realizing like as I go backwards through life, it was all those early symptoms that or things as a child that just went kind of unnoticed. I had had some allergy oh. testing, like the pick test and environmental right. stuff, and I, I definitely had that. some things, yeah. but I wasn't tested for an egg allergy, which I did have. Come to find out, I wasn't checked for various things. I wasn't checked for genetic SNPs to find out, like, you know. I'm MTHFR homozygous and I have some other detox pathway, pathway compromise. Genet- yeah. comp- that things that are compromised yeah. and some histamine things and all these things that were kind of piling up. And it's like, on top of that, my detox being poor from the get go, it's like, well, no wonder I had ADD as a kid. No wonder I was having reactions. No wonder this, no wonder this, no wonder this. Yeah. And those things just piled up over time. So when it came to having a mold exposure or several mold exposures, which is another, you know, the straw that broke. Yeah. It's like the straw that broke the camel's back. I I think, yeah, I I feel that what is important in this conversation and why you and I are so aligned is that you have to open up drainage so people can detox. And you see this a lot. I've, I've had Many women come to me seeing all these functional medicine docs. Nobody addressed their constipation. Nobody looked at their bile flow and their liver duct and their bile duct. And you're right. I had stuff going on when I was a kid. And then when it comes to light and when you open up these drainage pathways, I mean, everything changes. So I just wanted to interject that. Yeah. So, I mean, we're both like, this is the big kahuna. Yeah, it's a big kahuna. And like, also, I think for people out there, there are some people who are calling themselves functional medicine, and they're taking one or two classes. Yeah. And they're claiming they're functional medicine, but they're not necessarily true functional medicine. That is unfortunately a real thing <laughs> that is happening out in the world. So I, you know, I encourage everybody like, look, like, challenge your practitioners, we should be doing that at every corner and Absolutely. turn anyway, ask Absolutely. questions, because if they're a great practitioner, they're not gonna be scared of your questions. And that includes what kind of training they have also. And like, are they actually proficient in mold? Are they actually proficient in parasites? So I really encourage people to do that because that's also self-advocacy, which I think is something that a lot of us are sort of missing also in the mix of things, right? Is that we are our best advocates. That is part of your self-care. A lot of times it's interesting. People don't question their doctors. I'll say, yeah. I had a client a few months back. Why did you have hysterectomy? And she paused. And she's like, I don't know. I said, yeah. did your doctor talk about heavy bleeding, fibroids? I don't know why, but he said I needed a hysterectomy. We need to ask questions, not saying that that was not necessary. It's okay to ask questions. Yeah. It's okay to ask, why am I on this medication? What are the long-term effects from this? Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. We should question everything. Yeah. I had a friend last everything. week. I was on vacation and she texted me. And she was like, our whole family has flu B. And I was like, okay. <laughs> She's like, I'm thinking about giving my kids Tamiflu. What are your thoughts? And I just sent her drugs.com. <laughs> I was like, may cause vomiting, diarrhea, da 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 da. And I was yeah, like, really? Sounds Is like a flu. seriously worth it when you guys all currently have the yeah. flu? I was like, probiotics, coconut water, keep everybody hydrated, have some toast, rest, vitamin D. <laughs> yeah. And just <laughs> Don't take Tylenol. Well, yeah. <laughs> When when I was sick this time and I thought, I spoke to you that day yeah. and I thought, oh, I'm getting a little laryngitis because I'm talking to my family so much, you know, because about my brother's yeah. passing. And I was like, I don't feel good. So I'm going to make a big pot of soup. Well, thank God I did, because that's all I ate when I had COVID. I made a massive pot. 
I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to do any. I didn't even want to eat. But I was like, I'm going to stay hydrated. And I probably did some unintentional fasting because I listened to my body. I just was yeah. like, I'm not eating much for the next 24 yep. or so hours. But yeah, our body's designed to thrive. We just have to know what to give it and mm-hmm. not complicate it. And you're right. Sometimes the best thing, hydration, sleep, probiotics. Yeah. Well, our bodies are meant to heal. Like our bodies have a neat wisdom, right? Yeah. We have just been di- become disconnected from that wisdom. And that was one of those things that I learned when I realized like, wait a minute, the system is broken. Wait a minute. This is just band-aids. Wait a minute. I should be questioning everything. And I yeah. started doing that and, you know, really realizing that I accept all my decisions and I know that I'm always free to change my decisions yeah. based on the That's information great. being given to me at that moment. Like mm-hmm. that informed consent is real, <laughs> you know, getting all the information, you know, that I am allowed to say, you know what? No, I don't want an intervention or no, you know what? I actually, something doesn't feel right about this doctor. I'm going to go to somebody different or right. I'm going to move on to a different practitioner or I'm going to switch gyms or I'm going to eat better food, like whatever it is, right? We've gotten yeah. away from our intuitive nature that has been put inside of us. You know, and I think that's something that with a lot of my own clients, like I work on, which is trusting their intuition again, trusting their witchy sense about something, trusting that you know, they are going in the right decision. And I mean, you probably see this too, Meg, but I know a lot of people who come to me, you know, have a lot of chronic conditions, mold, parasites, Lyme, all the things, gut issues, et cetera, et cetera. And they're just going, I think there's a different way of doing it, but they haven't had like the full, like the full aha yet. There is this piece where it's like, as a practitioner, I have to be like, okay, so let's start working on what is your intuition telling you? Is it this or is it this? Is it this or is it this? What can you do today to lean into what you feel like that you need, that your body needs, right? Because we have, we've gotten so separated from it and it's such a fundamental necessary thing. And teaching people to reclaim that self-care, as you said, our apothecary is our kitchen. Getting people, people are, are very disconnected from their kitchen. Oh, I don't want to cook. I don't have time to cook. We've lost a sense of what our priorities are. It's a time of reprioritizing our priorities. And it's getting enough rest. It's turning this thing off, you know, a couple of hours before you go to bed. It's giving yourself three hours between your last meal and bedtime. But it's people like, I don't know what to do. And even in this program, it's educating people that they are more in control of their health by being in control of their food. It's a great way to start. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we can empower women, again, a lot of times, and you see this, Cheryl, just simple changes in someone's diet, giving them a digestive enzyme. Nobody digests food. Giving them the proper digestive enzymes, making sure they're pooing on a daily basis. I mean, that's really where you've got to start. Because they'll say to me, I'm tired. I said, but I want to get a sense of, are you tired because you're not digesting your food? Are you tired because you're a carbitarian and there's not enough lean protein where you're getting those branch chain amino acids to help your body heal and give you energy, right? Absolutely. Basic stuff. We see this. We see that all the time. You know, are you eating so much grains that you're poisoning yourself with glyphosate? Yeah. Yeah. And mold. That's real. (laughs) And mold. A lot of mold and grains. We're we're storing them in those silo bins. I mean. And then they spray with glyphosate to try to deal with the mold. And then we have this double whammy. What's happening to the gut? Why do we have so much celiac on the rise? Why do we have so much gut inflammation? Why is everybody, and it becomes a systemic thing where we're cycling around. And I love the book, Toxic Legacy by Dr. Stephanie Seneff. You know, it's like glyphosate stays in the system for seven generations. And which is interesting because actually on my own journey, as I was dealing with my own mold and my own things, I realized I had really bad, like really high amounts of glyphosate. I'm my own tox panel along the way. And I thought that was really interesting because I actually, in my 
early 30s, I worked as an artist in residence, basically art therapist in adult oncology. And I had to provide my vaccination statuses as my my childhood records. And I didn't have them because my doctor's office had burned down. Mm -hmm. And I had my titers done and realized that they were like, oh, you're not showing antibodies for the measles. And now at the time, I didn't know any better. And I ended up having to get an MMR vaccination. And ironically, MMR has the highest amounts of glyphosate of all the vaccines. And I came back for my antibody test and I didn't still didn't have any antibodies to the measles. I was vaccinated a second time with MMR again because I didn't know better. And within three months, I had Hashimoto's. So autoimmune thyroid antibodies and things going on. And they wanted to vaccinate me one more time with MMR. And luckily I was like, absolutely not. So I think it's really interesting, like that glyphosate connection in my case, I realize now I'm like, oh my gosh, like I've had a glyphosate party (laughs) slash wipeout. A shit storm. It was a shit storm. Yeah. And you know, I had Vaughn Watts on my show and he was with Cellcore. And I said, let's talk thyroid. He said the biggest offender that we see with Hashimoto's and antibodies, glyphosate. It's real. And I think what's important for for people like, well, how do I address this? One, look at the foods that you're buying as much as you can organic, but also working with a health practitioner that can give you proper binders and give you the things to actually help you excrete this out of your body. And that's important making sure that you're being mindful that you're not as much as you can. It's really hard to get away from this stuff. It's hard to get away from it. Yeah. It's hard. And I start questioning too, how much of our organic, I don't even know what's organic anymore. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. I mean, unless you know the farmer, it's it's a tricky thing. Uh, You know, I still leafy greens and berries and certain things. I buy organic, but it's a hard thing. I, I feel that. And I'm not trying to paint a picture of doom and gloom. I think we're painting a really good picture for people to realize how do you reclaim your health is, as Cheryl is sharing, looking at your environment. What's in your environment? What's in your food? What are you drinking? How do you strengthen the microbiome? How do you minimize exposure to different things in your lives? Yeah. And that's what we try to do. You know, you can't run and hide from all of this stuff, but you can. But again, using binders and a variety of things, working with a practitioner that can kind of set you on a good course. I mean, yeah. What do you, you know, no, in, my love. Yeah. I think two things to add to that is like, I think this is about it's about us being mindful of like, let's not dump gasoline on a dumpster fire. The dumpster fire is there, whether you realize it or not. And also our bodies are, if we think of our body, it's like a bucket and that bucket is just filling. And so it's like, all it takes is the one thing to knock the bucket over. It doesn't mean that people think they're healthy all the time. And then what they come to us and they're like, I mean, I don't know about you, but like several of my clients who have long haul COVID and they're like, but I was totally healthy. And I was like, but you weren't, you thought you were. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> Your bucket was just full. And this was the thing that broke the straw that broke the camel's back, right? It was the thing that just, it triggered all these other things. And as we go backwards and we timeline, then we find all these other things, right? I think also a part of this glyphosate conversation also, just to add to this, is that actually the country with the, who sprays the most glyphosate is the United States. And we are also the country with the most COVID, you know? So it's like, again, Guys, we have to ask questions. Like we can't, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's not a no, it's, you know, no, it's, these are this is science. Like, this is all it's a real science. This is real stuff. It's not ironic. You know what I mean? Like it's actually what's happening. And so it's like, again, we have to be more mindful of this. Are we asking questions? Are we making informed decisions? Are we reducing harm? Are we not pouring gasoline on a dumpster fire for ourselves and for other people? You know, making sure that we are getting our drainage well assessed, making sure that we are detoxing on the regular. We shouldn't have to detox so much, but unfortunately we do because- We do. And also another thing to interject, and I talk about this a lot, but it's important to bring up again, we are bombarded by xenoestrogens. Yes. And this is contributing to women from cancer, you know, estrogen-related cancers, 
to having fibroids and a variety of PMS and stuff. We want to reduce the amplification of symptoms. We want to minimize these symptoms. What do we do? The, one of the biggest endocrine disruptors for, for women and teenagers, cosmetics. How many times do you speak to, you know, because I do Zoom and I'll see someone and they put a plastic cup. They're like, oh, I don't, I don't drink out of plastic. And it's a big plastic cup with water. Drink out of glass. And this is distilled. So what do I do? Eat a lot of cruciferous vegetables using broccoli sprouts, high in sulforaphane. I put a bunch of them in my salad. It's equivalent to like dim is something that I suggest to women, a supplement to help in detoxification. If you're like, I can't do a lot of supplements. Get micro sprouts, get those. And again, like get sprouts, get a lot of broccoli, get a lot of cauliflower, get Brussels sprouts, get kale, cook, eat a lot of greens. I say to women, get about three cups of cruciferous veggies, get another three cups of greens. And people are like, how can I do it? If you were to actually measure it and put it in a bowl, it's not that much. It's not that much. They don't taste bad. They taste awesome. Oh, they're delicious. You grow yourself. Oh my gosh. Um, if you can, I, yeah. 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 I, I, yes. Sprouts you can grow. Absolutely. Yeah. People eat we can artichokes all grow that. to help with bioproduction. Yeah. You know, milk yes. thistle seed tea. Also to support there's the gallbladder. So like yeah. there's so many things that you can do that are easy and accessible. And, and bitter vegetables. Yep. So the bitters, like dandelion, mm-hmm. radicchio broccoli, Rob, anything that's going to bitter taste is going to help support bile flow. And you can look up these things online, by the way. There's so much we can do with how we eat and what we eat. And just tying into that too, the, the one thing, and I'm sure you'll comment on this, Cheryl, is that if you're going to eat meat, conventional meat, and farm-raised and pastured and grass-fed, totally different animals. So those yeah. pastured, grass-fed, those quote unquote organic, that's the type of protein you want because protein helps the body heal. It really does. And I think that's also like coming down to just like support regenerative farming. If for some reason I seem to get a lot of vegan vegetarian clients, it's kind of hilarious. Like I don't know why like I get teased by all my friends. They're like, why do all the vegan vegetarians and like like they joke about like I'm the converter of the vegetarians. Because they see, I mean There's a radical difference when people start, I mean, I've done, meat is a good thing. It supports hormones, satiety, lean muscle mass. For every year after the age of 40, you're going to lose 1% of of lean mass if you're not incorporating proper amounts of protein. I'll be doing an episode on that. But anyway, I want to get back to what you were saying before we conclude. Yeah, Like, look, your plant-based diet, all right, is still grounded in regenerative farming. Regenerative farming, animals help to till the soil. They help the plants to grow. They bring minerals back into the soil. Most of our plants are mineral deficient because of poor farming practices. So when people come to me and they're like, well, I'm going to eat a plant-based diet. I was like, oh, so you're going to eat the least nutritious thing in the whole freaking world. And I'm sorry, but we're good regenerative farming. Your cow farts aren't destroying the planet. The commercial yes. farming, a uh, factory farming, <laughs> is well, what's the smoke the- screen because ninety yeah. percent of these pollutants are coming from industry, and it's just yep. a way to distract people. And and yeah. also too, you know, everyone's like, I want a plant based diet. Do you know how many chipmunks and birds and little critters are killed for you to have that lettuce on your plate? And you yep. have to have manure in the soil. You, how do you think you enrich your soil? Yeah, yeah. And you know, and I think it's like my thing is this. Now, I was a vegetarian for 15 years. Remember this? Oh, I remember it so vividly. I was coming to see you for the first time, Meg, <laughs> and <laughs> I like—I mean, I had put every penny that I had, like, you know, basically on the table, walking in, and I knew coming into that conversation with you for the first time, my first meeting, I was like, "This lady may tell me to eat meat, and I'm gonna have to be okay with that." But I was like, if I'm going to do it, damn it, I'm going to make sure I'm honoring the whole animal. I'm sourcing the best animals I can that Mm -hmm. are nourishing the earth. And I did my research. 
Oh, I did my research. And then I did more research and more research. So, you know, I highly recommend all the books by um, Joel Salatin and Diana Rogers, Sacred Cow. Yeah, I love Diana Rogers. Yeah. Yeah, she's fantastic. Because I was like, if I'm going to do this, like me and just going and buying, oh, I'm going to buy skinless chicken breasts. That's not honoring the whole animal. There's nutrition in the skin. There's good fat that we need. Like the whole thing. And so like I learned to make bone broth and I learned to make pate and I learned to make roulette and I learned to use tongue and heart and, you know, all kinds of things. And, you know, I will say fermentation was a big part of that journey for me. It's like curing a beef heart and making pastrami out of it. Well, I've mentioned this, I think a couple of times or one time before in a podcast, one of my teachers in Chinese medicine said, you're Americans, your meat is too clean. I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, you're collagen deficient. She said, that's why you you all have joint issues. She said, Mm -hmm. when we have a chicken, we put the whole chicken into the pot. So, you know, the organ and the little claws and little little beak, all these (laughs) things have, and people go, oh, I'm like, well, we're not eating whole animals. So I love that. I love pate. I'm going to have to have yeah. more pate. But I feel that what we're trying to do, we've demonized meat. Social media yeah. has brainwashed people into thinking that meat is an evil thing. It's what allows us to thrive. And you can't be on a plant-based diet and get yeah. all these amino acids and all the, a variety of things which allow you to have a strong immune system which allows you that when you are hit with a flu or something that you can override it and you can recover. A hundred percent. Well, what do so, we feel like all these synthetic foods are doing? The lab grown okay. meats, the beyond burger, the impossible burger. Yeah. And I am just as guilty all when synthetic. I was a vegetarian, Morningstar yeah. was like my go-to, oh. you know, <laughs> the whole deal. Like, look, you're talking to two recovered vegetarians over here. It's like, what is it's synthetic. And I think the big thing, you know, with all of this is, is our body made to digest, combat, process, and detox, all these things, synthetic, chemical-based, man-made stuff? The body doesn't recognize it. The body doesn't recognize it. So, we, you know, we can't control everything, right? We can't hide from all the toxins in the world. We can't control the chemtrails being sprayed. We can't control the shit in the water all the time. Like, you know, there are things, there are only certain things we can control, but it takes collective energy and movement Mm -hmm. and time. And it's like to make change. And, you know, it's like I ended up a practitioner because I started my own healing journey, but I realized how screwed up the system was. I could have stayed in my cozy art career doing my thing with my two master's degrees that I already had teaching, doing stuff that I loved doing and been totally okay doing that. But I didn't do that. Why? Because higher power called me to do something else. And it's taking life by the walls, knowing that I'm free to change my mind, knowing that I'm free to make other decisions. As we heal ourselves and as we wake up, that we are all going to go in different directions because we are called to share that information. It's an uh, enlightenment, I guess, in a way, if you kind of think of it. And as I woke up to my own healing, I got into fermentation. And as fermentation woke me up to other things, I woke up to becoming a practitioner. I started realizing, oh, all this synthetic crap and all these chemicals, it's wiping out the gut microbiome. And yeah. now nothing acts alone, right? It becomes this fantastic journey where you start to see and reflect. And my hope for other people is that they will just start taking journeys, that they will listen to their inner voice, that they will try to listen to what other people are saying and going through and what experiences that they have had, because those are real, real experiences, right? I couldn't agree more. And I think some of the takeaways to this is that we're in control more than we realize. This was not meant to be a doom and gloom. This is more of a wake-up call of saying, if you want to create optimal health, if you want to thrive, if you want to have energy, if you want to live with incredible longevity and do the things you want in life, start cooking, start making the time to cook. We've gotten away from that. We look at it as a chore. I look at being in the kitchen as a celebration. I mean, the kitchen was always the center of the home. 
That's where babies were announced. That's where what, you know, people were getting yeah. engaged. That's where people would get the call, whether it was the passing of someone in a family. Everything happened in the kitchen. Everything. Yeah. Let's food get is community. back. It's community. We, you know, culture is defined by food and getting back into bringing the traditions of recipes that we've gotten from aunts and uncles and moms and dads and our friends. Let's bring that back. Let's make the time to heal. Because once people start cooking and using fermented foods and really giving themselves that space, they're going to be more in touch with their intuitive selves. So Cheryl, yeah. I so want to, th I want to thank you. We could have gone on and on. This was a <laughs> lovely conversation. Thank you so much, honey. And I will include all of Cheryl's info. She rocks ladies. She's such a dear friend. I'm so happy thank to you. have her here. And I want to thank everyone today for listening. And I can't wait to meet up with all of you again on the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. And until next time, much love, much grace, and get in that kitchen. Make yourself a pot of stew. Take good care. Mm -hmm. Thank you, everybody.